Um, listen, if um, I just want to say thanks for being in church today. You know, I'm, I mean, it, it's beautiful outside. And you could have kicked back and done something different. But I, I'm, I'm grateful that you have valued uh, being in the house of the Lord and worshiping God and just making your hearts available to maybe what the Lord would say through his word today. So thanks for, for being in church today. And I, I, I appreciate that. And I know God does as well. You know me, I love Proverbs. So um, you're going to get a twofer today because I got two in one chapter. I couldn't hold my, I just couldn't stop it. So Proverbs 26 verses 2 and 27, they kind of hook together. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. Let's be, let's, let's, okay, so, so the point here are these birds that when you see them flying, they don't seem to be going anywhere. You can't tell where they're going to go. I don't think they know where they're going to go. And um, so this word curse that's in this verse, it's literally, it literally means to make small. So this is like when you cut somebody down, Without cause, um, it's never going to land on them. That's what that proverb says. Okay, and then verse 27, interesting one. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. This is a military perspective. The point would, they would be, they would roll these big rocks up a hill, and when the enemy would come, they'd roll them back down on top of them. And so this is, uh, this, this kind of connects. You see how the, the connection there? The Lord is saying, don't plan evil things for other people. And it's interesting, is I, I tell you what, I got off on a rabbit trail. As you, can you tell? I got off on a rabbit trail just doing the proverb, and I found out there are all these cultural proverbs. Um, in fact, one from uh, contemporary Judea, about the time of Jesus, it went like this. A curse is like a cloud. It passes. Okay. I kept going. Here's a Spanish one. These are old proverbs. A Spanish one. Who sows thorns, let him not walk barefoot. And here's a Turkish one. Curses like chickens always come home to roost. And here's one from Nigeria. This is an African proverb. Some of the coolest proverbs come from Africa. And this is, um, ashes always fly back in the face of him who throws them. Okay, so done with today's proverb. We're in part two of a series dealing with temptation. And, you know, all of us, all of us are tempted in different ways. Next week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit gets involved in this and gives us strength to help us find a way out. The, the, the final week, we're going to talk about um, how w- the things that we feed grow and how the things that we starve die. How do we, you know, so we're going to find ourselves how when we feed ourselves spiritually, it helps us to overcome temptation. Today, I want to ask you, as we go through this, I want to ask you to kind of listen to this through the lens of maybe your top one or two temptations that you struggle with in your life. You know, and if, if you don't know, I'll give you a few examples. I'll maybe stir this up a little bit. Um, some of you might say that you are vulnerable to overeating. I talked about that one last week, you know, or maybe you have an addiction to sugar. Uh, some of you, it, maybe it's overspending. You know, you, you, you know, you shouldn't buy anything else. And, and then for some reason you lose all power of resistance and you tell yourself, well, but I saved money. It was on sale. And and honey, and, and you tell yourself that, but you bought things you didn't need with money that you didn't have. And, or maybe, maybe, maybe your struggle is with a substance, you know. Um, and this is common, pretty common today. It's something that comes in a bottle or something you smoke or something you shoot. And honestly, it, it seems to have more power over you than you have the ability inside you to resist. It's, you know, something like that. And some of you are, you're battling with lust. This is an extremely common um, and frequent 
challenge for a huge percentage of people, according to studies. And you look at things that you ought not to let into your eye gates, and then you act out on it. And, you, and even you hate that you do it, but you, 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 you still do it. Some of you, you're tempted to criticize. You know, you've, you've turned criticizing into, you know, an, it's almost an art form or a spiritual gift. I mean, you know, you're so good at it, you can pick anything apart that, you know, like you've already got eight things so far about this church you don't like, and we're not even halfway through the service yet. You're good, at, good at criticizing. And some of you are thinking, you know, maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm so glad my husband is here to hear this, or so-and-so is here to hear this, you know, because they're so messed up, or, you know, but I don't really struggle with anything myself. Okay, I will tell you, you struggle with pride. Your problem is pride and because everybody is vulnerable somewhere. And I hope that you'll listen to this, these words through the lens of your own challenges and struggles. And I want to revisit today um, our key text from last week, which we're going to do each week, um, and that's 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 to 13. I really believe these verses give us hope. So here's Paul talking. Here's what he says, verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, in other words, for those of us who think you don't have a problem here, This is for you. Be careful that you don't fall. Pride always comes before a a fall, right? Proverbs 16 tells us that. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, if you are a human being, you are vulnerable to temptation. It's true about everybody. Don't ever think that you're above it. The moment you think, I can't be tempted here, that's really where you're vulnerable. I, I... I cannot forget a conversation I had with this guy when I was in my middle 20s. He was a work colleague, and I was traveling with him in his car to an out-of-town training session, and, and we'd been out of town for a few days, and um, the company was paying for meals and hotel and all that kind of stuff, and I wanted pizza, the perfect food. I wanted pizza all the time, and we would sit down, and he'd have a salad and a couple of slices of pizza, and I'd order a pizza. And I would pound that thing down. Now, when I was in my middle 20s, I was a good solid 160 pounds. You know, I mean, really thin. And I could eat anything and everything, and that 160 made no change. The needle did not go. And after watching this for a few days, you know, I asked the boss, you know, what, I'm a spending allowance for meals while I'm in training. What can I buy? And they said, whatever you want. I had, I had, um, What's that? A New York, a New York, uh, uh, the, the steak. I had that for dinner every night and a big pizza every day. They said, they'll just pay for it. I, I, I pounded it down. After watching this for a few days, this guy says to me, you know, when you get to be about 30 or so, that ain't going to work anymore. <laughs> I didn't care about being 30 and it not working anymore. All I wanted was another slice of pizza. And I, you know, I can remember my response to this guy. I said, That'll never happen to me. That's your problem. (laughs) I look back at that now and I think, man, what arrogance that was. What pride, how stupid that was. And he was just telling me this simple truth. And you'd think, after all these decades, that meaningless little conversation, the Lord would have allowed that to have erased off of my memory banks by now. But I can't seem to forget it. Why do you suppose the Lord wants me to remember this moment of absolute arrogance and pride? I don't know. might be because the Lord doesn't want me to be arrogant and prideful. Anyway, I mean, I'm vulnerable to eating bad stuff. I am. I mean, I told you last week how I feel about Red Hots. Um, They are wonderful. 
I mean, I start thinking about them, and I kind of go into fantasy land, and I start thinking about things, and, you know, these little red, shiny... I mean, I just could go there. I mean, I'm thinking, God, the flavor of cinnamon, so thankful, and God, chocolate, you're genius. You know, that's what I'm thinking right this minute. I'm thinking, you know, cinnamon and chocolate together would be perfect. Anyway. I'm drooling up here. The minute you think you're standing firm, it's when you're really, really vulnerable to sin. And, and people who say, I don't really need to hear this today, you know, you probably need it most of all. You probably do. And, and there are a lot of times, you know, and here's the thing. We can feel so incredibly guilty um, when we're just tempted. We, we just, you know, I'm such a failure as a Christian, and, and I was tempted again, and I, I've talked to people since last week's message on temptation, and that's a pretty common thing. People will be tempted, and it makes them feel guilty that they were even just tempted. If you're human, you're going to be tempted. You, you will be. Coming to Christ does not mean you're not going to be tempted. It means we proclaim war on, on the temptation that's already there. It's already there. And the good news is that you don't have to fight this alone. You know, you, um, here's what Paul said in verse 13. And, and he says, And God is faithful. Even when we're faithless, God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, every single time you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I love those words. And, and I think this, 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 the reason that the Lord has called you here today, you think you came because it's Sunday, but I think the Lord called you here today. For many people here who have been gripped by something that, you, that seems to have more power over you than your own ability to resist it, God's going to minister to you today something of hope and something of faith. And, you know, every single time you're tempted, because God always provides a way out. Now, for us to kind of understand our battle against temptation, I want to start with the actual process, the, the process that we go through, the process of temptation, because there are at least five. I mean, I looked at, read a lot of reports online. There's at least five. Some reports say seven. There's all kinds of reports out there. But we're going to say that there's five um, steps that we go through every single time before we do something that we know we're not supposed to, five, five steps. And these steps can take a prog- progress over days or over weeks, or months, or maybe even years, or they can all just happen, bang, 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 in moments, all of them at once. Okay, so the first thing we do is a thought. It always starts with a thought. Second thing is then it moves on to our imagination, then to some form of justification, then we make a choice, and then we sin. There's thought, imagination, justification, choice, and a sin. For example, thought. I just think I'd like a red hot. Imagination, mm, cinnamon, it's really good. I like that little tiny bit of, you know, justification. I haven't had one for a while. It's been a couple of days, you know, and I've been working hard. A few red hearts are going to hurt me anyway. They're so small, you know, just one at a time. Choice. I think I'm going to see what they sound like when I shake the box. I, I can hear that sound right now. Okay, I, what are they gonna, you know? And all of a sudden, hey, what am I doing with an empty box? How come that's empty now? Thought, you know, or maybe maybe you you know maybe for you buying another outfit, you know, would be a sin. I mean, okay, 
Buying an outfit is not a sin, but maybe you've got a problem with it. Maybe you've got 18 of them in the closet that you haven't worn already, and you're in debt, and you've made some promises. I'm going to stop buying outfits. Okay? So, a thought. You're feeling alone. You're kind of feeling empty. You know, a new outfit would make me feel pretty good. Thought. Imagination. When I could get that outfit, imagine the Facebook post right now. Girl, you look so good. (laughs) Smiley face. Smiley face, thumbs up, smiley face with sunglasses, fire. (laughs) Justification, I haven't bought one since last Wednesday. Choice, I wonder if there's any online sales. Oh, wow, 25% off, thank you, God. (laughs) Thought, I'm I'm bored. I, I wonder what's online. Imagination. I, I saw some things the other day that kind of excited me. Just in case. It's no big deal. Nobody else is going to know. What other people don't know is going to hurt them. My wife isn't meeting my needs anyway, so, you know, this, what's the deal? Choice. Click, click, click. Where does it start? It always starts with a thought. And what happens in those very first critical moments is so much more important than, you know, it seems. So, so, so knowing that we will be tempted, we decide ahead of time to battle against temptation. Battle against temptation so, we, so that we don't fall into something that hurts the heart of God or hurts us and hurts people around us. So how do we fight our way out? James basically is going to give us two primary steps. The first one he's going to give us is how to battle against temptation. One, submit to God. First thing we're going to do is submit to God, and that's exactly what he says um, in James 4. He says, therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, I quote that scripture a lot. You probably heard it too. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I mean, it's really, really commonly quoted. And I always thought, that's the first thing you do. Resist. You know, let's, let's get this fight going. Let's, let's fight. Let's go. But James says, no, 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 no. The first thing you do Before you fight against temptation, before you fight, is to submit to God. Why? Because you don't have enough strength on your own to fight this. You know, our flesh, to fight this, this, our sinful nature, it's just too weak. Battling against temptation is a spiritual war. It's spiritual. It's not emotional. It's your spirit warring against your flesh and... When we go charging into a spiritual battle alone, when we go charging into a spiritual battle against an enemy who is our enemy without God, it's not good. It's not good to do that. And, and we need the help of Christ. So that's why every temptation is an invitation for us to depend on Christ. So we submit to God. What does that mean to you? I think it means a lot of different things. How, how do you submit to God? You know, For some of us, the very first thing to submit to God would be to acknowledge what we're doing, to admit to ourselves and to the Lord that what we're doing is wrong, that it's sinful, and that's the place to start. And I mean, we live in a culture of Jedi master justifiers. Jedi masters, you know. It's like, you know, it's the way it is. It's just the way God made me. Everybody else does it. It's the way God made me. He understands this about me. And you know, nobody else knows. God understands me. I mean, please, I want to you know, say this to you. I, I just need you to say this. I need you to see my smile. And I want you to hear the Lord telling you he loves you when you hear this. If you're doing something that's inconsistent with the word of God, 
That's sinful behavior. It's wrong. And some of us need to start right there by acknowledging, you know, that this is wrong. Some of you, you know, you, you know it's wrong, but you're just a little bit too proud to ask for some help. You know, some of you need to submit to God and say, yeah, I need some help. Others, you know, maybe there's some other deeper, deeper level of submission. I don't know what it means to you, but I can tell you what it means for me. I'm just an example. I'm just a guy with an example. But submission to God for me is a daily decision that I make. I consciously make a decision. Okay, today I'm going to be submitted to you, God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and do it better than I did yesterday. And I can think and remember where I didn't. And, and because I failed yesterday doesn't mean I'm not going to do it again today. But it's a daily decision. Why? Because I am really easily distracted. I can be so devoted. I can be so servant-hearted to, to follow the Lord. And I can be doing my merry thing, going along, doing a really good job. And then, shiny thing. <laughs> you know, I have no idea why the stuff we throw in lakes, fish will eat them. Well, I kind of do. Shiny thing, I better go. I get completely distracted. I'm really, really easily distracted by some shiny thing. I don't know what my shiny thing is. I mean, I don't know what your shiny thing is. And uh, I, I just, shiny thing, because I'm so easily distracted. For me, it needs to be something I do every single day. Lord, I'm going to be submitted to you again. It's a decision every single day. And here's the deal. When I have submitted myself to God, it's easier to resist temptation. But when I have not submitted myself to God, I'm as vulnerable as the most evil person you know. Because, you know, and, and I can give in to temptation just like that. I have to be daily submitted to God. Is, is this, are you going, well, wow, Pastor Terry, we didn't realize how weak you were. And the truth is, yeah, I'm weak. I'm a human being. But there's also something in me that says, you know what? I've got to make a proactive decision in advance to, to warfare. I want to get out ahead of this curve. I don't want to be behind. I want to be the head and not the tail of this whole equation. And so daily I have to submit to God. And, and remember from last time our definition of temptation. Tempta- temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. It promises satisfaction you know, if you do this. If you smoke this, if you take this, if you, then you're going to be satisfied if you do these things. It's inconsistent with God's truth. It promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. And what happens is we make a choice, you know, about what we're going to rely upon. You have a choice. I can rely on what a bottle has. It medicates me, it makes me feel good, or I can rely on God. I can rely on something that I smoke, you know, because it helps me, or I can rely on God. I can rely on food because it tastes good, and it's my reward, and it comforts me, or I can rely on God. I I can take legitimate sexual need and meet it in an illegitimate way and rely on that, or I can choose to rely on God and His way and His standards. I can rely on that which promises satisfaction, or... I can rely on the only one who can provide true satisfaction and true joy. So daily, we submit ourselves to God because lies and the temptations of the world can be so appealing. They really can be. When I'm submitted to God, it's so much easier to resist temptation 
And when I'm not, I'm, I'm, it's so much harder to resist temptation. So number one is we submit our whole lives to God. And then the second thing we do is we resist the devil. We submit our, ourselves to God and we resist the devil. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, well, I just couldn't resist. I just couldn't resist. You know, the truth is that with God, you can. You really can. And, and, and this, here's what James says. Therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. We like to go camping um, in places where there's lots of bears. <laughs> we do. We go where we can go and look. Um, Lisa and I went, went away camping for a couple of days this week, week um, just for a couple, and um, so it was pretty close. Not easy to find bears, and we went out where we could see deer, at least. We like to find wild animals. We, we went out two evenings. One evening, we saw 62 deer. The second night, we saw 104 deer in um, about, of course, about three hours. Now, I, I can tell you where to go to do this. And if you come and ask me after church, if you like to go see deer, it's pretty easy to do. But anyway, so we like to go, we, but we really like to go where there are bears. And where we go, um, we go into the Rocky Mountains, um, to national parks. And where we go, um, if you look for bears, you'll see everything else. You'll see moose, and you'll see elk, and you'll see pronghorns, and all that kind of stuff, which we like to see the animals. But the bears are the prize. And... Um, we work hard on it. Last year, we spent a couple of weeks, and we saw 23 or 24 bears, a lot of bears. Work, these aren't the bears that are standing by the roadside going, give me a marshmallow, not like that. These are bears out in the woods that you have to look for, and you've got to get up before sunrise. And you work at it, and so we're looking for bears. And here's the thing. When you get out into bear country, you're safe in your truck, but sometimes you're not in your truck. And when you're out in bear country, what the people there will tell you is, you better know your bears, there are black bears and there are grizzly bears. And you don't want to be breakfast for either one of them, and they'll eat you. They will eat you. And um, so you've got to know your bears, and um, you've got to know how to resist them. And they tell you, and they will train you. And there are different ways to re- resist them. And so there, we see mostly, it depends from year to year, but we may see mostly black bears because there's more of them. And experts will tell you the best way to battle a black bear if you are actually in a battle with a black bear, is to resist them. You do not roll over and play dead with a black bear. You make, you make things as difficult for the black bear as you possibly can. I mean, you, you don't run from them. You never run from any bear. If you run from a bear, first off, they will outrun you. I talked to a ranger two years ago in, um, in Yellowstone, or he was in Grand Teton Park, and I said, how fast can a grizzly bear run? He said that the year before that they had clocked a grizzly bear running 35 miles an hour for two miles. 35 miles an hour for two miles. Okay. I mean, a human being, if you are a gold medalist sprinter in the Olympics, you can do 100 meters at maybe 17, 18, 19, 19 miles an hour, and after 10 seconds, you're done. 35 miles an hour for two miles. Okay, don't run from a bear. You cannot outrun the bear. And they see that as, wow, look at that. I, they start thinking about, you know, red hots. <laughs> with, with no help from the Holy Spirit to help them resist. So they start, do not run from a bear. They will outrun you. Another thing is, um, don't climb a tree. They can climb a tree better than you. You're trapped. Anyway, anyway, so I'm, I don't need to train you about bears. Um, but the thing with the black bear is if you are in a place where there is one 
upon you, coming at you, what you do is you resist them. You scream, you yell, you hit them with your fist. You fight. You fight a black bear. Now, there are grizzly bears there too, and there's a completely different way to resist a grizzly bear. Okay? <laughs> um, but, and, and, and I don't want to get too sidetracked here because I love this topic and it'd be complete the rabbit mother of all rabbit trails. <laughs> but the point is, is that, that what, what you do is, is in, in a very real sense the exact same you do when you're attacked by the evil one. First Peter 5 tells us this and you know, it, you're already submitted to God and so your confidence is not in you it's in Christ inside of you. And so whenever you have this, uh, this oncoming attack from a black bear slash temptation, the temptation is attacking you, here's what he says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring animal from the cat family. <laughs> a lion. Hey, I'm just saying, okay, completely distracted here again. <laughs> like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, when you see the enemy coming at you to devour you with every bit of faith you can muster up inside of you, you roar scripture right back at him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Would you repeat that with me? Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. One more time. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Outstanding. Next Sunday, there's an ice cream cone waiting for you. <laughs> you just memorized 1 John 4.4. 4. Okay, so when we recognize that Christ in you is stronger than the wrong desires in you, when you, when you acknowledge that, when, when you acknowledge that you know, we're actually in a war... Christianity is not a playground. It's, it's more of a battlefield. You know, e- Ephesians 6 tells us that, that we aren't struggling against flesh and blood, but we're, we're struggling against powers and principalities, rulers in dark places. That's what Ephesians tells us. And, and crypt, Scripture is telling us that we're fighting this foe who's not of this world. We need to fight with weapons that are not of this world. And 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense. So, I mean, we're, we're not, we're God, Lord, the Lord isn't telling us to fight this spiritual war with earthly weapons. Our weapons have, it says, divine power to demolish strongholds. What are the strongholds? Strongholds are the things that have held us hostage. In some cases, they've held us hostage for years. And you have divine, powerful weapons at your disposal. What, what kind of weapons do you have? Well, you have the power of prayer. You can certainly you know, petition God, who our good God hears us. Um, scriptures tell us that the effectual, fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God avails much. Your prayers, you know, God hears them. Or we have the, the helmet of salvation. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. You have the belt of truth. You know, you, you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You have your, your, your shoes are prepared with the gospel of peace. You have these tools. And when temptation comes 
you know, your way, what our reaction should be is, ah, <laughs> I figured you were coming. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you, you know, battle against it. You've been prepared. You've been seeking after God. You've, you know his strength is in you and in his, his word. His word is hidden in your heart. My, thy word, O Lord, is hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. It's there. I've got these tools. And you stand your ground. And one of the best ways that you can stand your ground and resist, resist temptation is just to eliminate it whenever you can. Eliminate it before you have to face it. I mean, this is what Solomon was saying to his son when he was giving him advice in Proverbs 4. He says this, um, verse 14, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. He's saying, don't even put your feet down on that path. Don't even do that. Stay away from that. Now, in case you weren't paying attention, son, this is Solomon giving advice to his son. I'm going to say it in a few more ways. Verse 15, this is kind of funny. It makes me chuckle. He thinks his son wasn't listening to him. I don't know why he would think that. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. He's, <laughs> he says, hey, son, are you listening to me? Listen, I'm going to say it to you again. He says, you know that path that leads evil? Get off of it. Don't travel on it. Son saying, yeah, yeah, dad, I got it. No, 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 I don't think you got it. I don't think you really were listening to me. You know, I, I'm going to tell you again, get out of Dodge. Run, Forrest, run. Get out of there. Don't even get close to it. The best way, the best way to, to resist temptation is the same way that you resist it with a grizzly bear. You avoid it. You avoid it. You eliminate it whenever you can. Why in the world? Would I want to resist temptation tomorrow if I can delete it today? You know, and I think for some of you, this is a game-changing concept that you could adopt and say, you know what, I just got to kill this opportunity for temptation in my life. And how's it play out in your life, you know? I mean, if you like potato chips... I try to stay out of the potato chip aisle at the store. I, I try to. I don't always succeed there. Because they call to me. Lay's potato chips. Great marketing campaign. Remember that? Lay's potato chips. Bet you can't eat one. Of course I can eat one. Yeah, no, no just one. You can't. That, that, that marketing campaign captures something that's so true. It is so hard once you say yes to the smallest amount of temptation. Or maybe... Maybe you've got a problem with alcohol. Well, don't go to the bar. In fact, when you pump gas in your car, pay at the pump. Don't go inside there where that cooler has got all that stuff right next to where they, you know, where you just before you go out, just stay outside. If, if you're trying to overcome a problem with drugs, stop hanging around with people who are constantly using drugs. That will not help you. You know, if you go to the gym... And all you see is, you know, <laughs> Miss Lululemon yoga pants. <laughs> then don't go to the gym. Work out at home, use an app, go for a walk. Take a cold shower. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if it's the store or um, the gas station or the gym or where you work, get out of there. Wait a minute, Terry, are you serious? 
there's this woman at work and she's pursuing, then change jobs. If that's what it takes. Yeah, I'm dead serious about it. Get yourself out of there. If you're really, really vulnerable to look at the wrong things on your phone, get rid of your smartphone and get a dumb one. I'm serious. If you struggle with it, then don't own a phone where you can dial it up on the internet and get your one that flips open and it just is good for talking. Save money. Why? Because why would you want to resist the temptation tomorrow when you can actually defeat it and eliminate it today? You decide ahead of time, I'm just going to distance myself from this. One of the best ways to resist temptation is to eliminate it when possible. Sometimes when God wants to uh, make sure that um, we kids collect something that he's trying to tell us, he'll tell us more than once. We're, we're basically at the end of the message here right now. Um, and um, we see this. This, by the way, this, the scriptures that I'm reading to, to you from James, this is a theme that's found all throughout scripture. Here's another example from 1 Peter 5. It's a different author writing the same similar message. And he says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Another way of saying submit to God. That he may exalt you in due time. God has a plan. He's got you covered. He's going to deliver you, deliver you if you choose to let him. Verse 7. Casting all your care upon him. It's another way of saying submit to God. For he cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because... Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Resist him. Resist him. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Here is God's plan for you. He wants to perfect you, to establish you, to strengthen you, and to settle you. To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. To battle against temptation we submit to God and we resist the enemy. Those are the two steps. The moment it becomes a thought, you are already prepared. Christ in me is stronger than the desires in me. Instead of feeling shame and condemnation and guilt, we need to feel hope. Why? Because our God is faithful. And when you are tempted, he always, always provides a way out. Let's pray. Lord, um, today I pray that in your presence, the Holy Spirit would equip us, Lord, somehow to serve you, to follow you faithfully, and to take the way out. Church, keep your eyes closed for a minute. I'm not going to ask for hands here because I think this is too sensitive, but I'd like you to just keep your eyes closed. If there is in your life some recurring temptation, some vulnerability, a weakness, and you need God's help to overcome it. Maybe you recognize there's an area in your heart where there's some vulnerability. Maybe there's even some things that you can do to eliminate future temptation. Just in the quiet privacy of this moment between you and God, no one can hear your words to God except him and you. Just tell him right now, God, I, <laughs> this is hard. I've tried and I've failed so many times. It surprises me that you'll continue to forgive me. But scripture says that 
the blood of Christ was so perfect and complete, I know it can forgive me again. I acknowledge that I just need you, God, to help me figure this out. I I don't want to do this on my own. Lord, would you give me, equip me, walk with me, and fill me with your spirit so that I can, Lord, rise above this. I pray, Lord, today now in our church that we would be a people that are submitted to you every day. Daily, Lord, we would make that decision, submitting our whole lives to you. And I thank you, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus.